Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, good morning. This is a great day today because we get to hear from The Bridge, which is a youth resource center that Meadowbrook's been a huge part of supporting. And we're excited to hear about what God is doing in and through the bridge in our community. And so prepare your hearts for that. It's just going to be a real opportunity to hear practically what God is doing. So I'm going to call George up. And George and Greg and Krista are here. They're part of the bridge staff as well and team. And they're going to give us updates as well. I just want to pray for them. George is going to get the wheels spinning this morning. And I'll pray for him and we'll go from there. And we're looking forward to what you guys have to share, for, share with us this morning. Let's pray for George and the rest of the team. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for George and for Krista and for Greg. And I pray, Lord, you prepare them. Uh, give them calm hearts and encourage them. And I pray, Lord, we are encouraged by what we're doing through the Bridge Ministry. Thank you that metaric has been so faithful to supporting the Bridge Ministry. And we pray, Lord, that as we hear about what you're doing, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to do that and help us be inspired and encouraged and challenged as well as we look to you to lead us in all things. Again, thanks for this morning together. Thank you for the impact you have in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Obviously, I'm excited, and with excitement comes nervousness, so don't be surprised if you see a little bit of this or anything else. It's just part of what's going to happen. But yeah, we come with a very thankful heart, first of all, for uh, the Meadowbrook Church, for everything they've done, but for giving us this opportunity to share what's going on with this uh, wonderful journey that we've been on. Uh, there's been so much support uh, from leadership at the board level, at the advisory level, uh, volunteer level. Uh, we definitely have felt and heard the prayers of this church and even the finances. Uh, this has been just a, a great opportunity how the church can really work within our community and make a big difference. So what we wanna do is go down history lane a little bit. In October, or it was, yeah, October 2014 is when this church actually called some of us together to start the dreaming process of wrestling with the question, would Leamington actually know if Meadowbrook was to close their doors? That was a tough question to wrestle with, and unfortunately we felt that uh, there may be quite a few who had never heard of us or seen the actual impact on it, and so we started dreaming about how we could help, and we found out soon there was a big gap in our community dealing with young adults that were struggling through many different things. So as we started uh, attacking this big item, uh, we, we established a group called Building Bridges Erie Shores. This was a group now of many more churches than just Meadowbrook because we felt this community is large and we needed to be working together, unite our community and services so that we could help bridge this gap. So currently we have about eight to nine board members serving at five or six different churches already. And so that comes with its challenges, but also with many blessings. We also then decided to uh, you know, use the, the steering committees, what we originally called it, and have relabeled it to the advisory team. So it involves the local high schools, the hospital, access center, Deer Run Church, many other churches already, the town of Leamington, the neighbors around our area, the police, and other agencies like SECC. So they, these are the heart of our, the community. They're helping out in so many different areas already. So we need their eyes and ears to give us constant feedback to see if we are meeting their needs or where, where are other gaps that we need to bridge. Then we also applied, and because of this collaboration of trying to work with so many different agencies, including the faith-based community, we were awarded a $560,000 grant from Trillium. With that, we were able to hire three different uh, amazing staff in uh, Wanda, Philip, and Devon, who are with us for three years to help establish 
who we want to become in our community. And they have been such a blessing to us with the amount of work and hours they've put in to make this happen. And we also want to just acknowledge the Building Bridges, the charity component of, our, of this organization, also has had three hires to date. Most of you know Maria Peters. If not, Maria, please wave and just so they can see Maria. She'll, she is probably unaware of the amazing impact that she has brought to the bridge. As we dreamt about putting into reality, Maria jumped off, jumped on board, I should say, off her bandwagon of where she was going in life and jumped on board with us. And if any of you know Maria, you'll know she puts 110% in. She ain't leaving anything behind. And so she really inspired us to fight, no matter how tough it got, to fight for these young adults. These young adults don't have a lot of people fighting for them, and so it was so inspiring, and, and it is today still so inspiring of someone so passionate about helping them, and it just really encourages the board and the staff to continue to fight that battle. We also have hired Greg Weens and Krista Rempel, who you guys will get to meet here in a very short time. Again, amazing people who helped this mission continue to go forward. They left their own jobs where they were succeeding and doing very well, and they'll share a little bit why they have joined this team, but we are so thankful that they have. So it was only January of this year, even though we started in October of 2014, went through thousands of emails, countless of meetings and encounters with people, that we were able to finally open the doors on, on January of this year. Uh, it was a great opportunity to actually have our own doors where they could come in and we could start them feeling like it could be their home. And with that, we wanted to make sure there was always a spirit, spiritual care team. Because it started from a church, we knew that we would need advice and the support of the local body of believers. And so I'm proud to say that Pastor Mesh, Pastor Nathan, and Pastor Ike and Peter from Deer Run, they've uh, spearheaded that committee so that not only can the, the board rely on them when we need spiritual advice, but so can the staff and the volunteers who want to be a part of uh, a spiritual journey. We want to meet a lot of their physical, emotional, and fit, uh, practical needs, but we also know that the full wraparound service does have a huge spiritual component. So not only are they advising our team like that, but they also are going to go to the next steps and actually have, be as volunteers on site, that when youth identify that they want uh, to experience the spiritual part of their journey, that they will be right there to be volunteering and walking aside with them. They've also done even further, they're going to be on a 24-7, so if anyone ever comes in crisis and they really need to sit down with someone, there will always be a pastor in our community available to hold their hand, to, to listen to them, and be with them, and so we're just very happy with that. Also, we have to make sure that there's a chapel in that uh, facility as well, because there'll be a many a times they're going to want to pray together, work together, or share together, and as we wrestled with that question earlier, like I said, would Leamington know if MBC would be gone? I'm proud to say that Leamington will have a presence, and this is just one of many, but in the, the chapel area, the, the funds that we have raised together, all of you donating through the many years now that we've started this since 2014, not only will their name go on the chapel as loving Jesus by loving people, which is an encouragement to us, but they've also, because of all the funds that they have raised already, they will always be known as a founding member, which they truly are. Meadowbrook, that's you guys. We'll be forever grateful. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys to get us to this level. The other thing that we are proud to finally say is we do have our CRA number, something we thought would take us six months. Three years later, we're proud to say we have it. But with that comes some new opportunities. And so what we want to do is just share a little bit here. This is the bridge. Most of you or a lot of you have been there, formerly known as St. Joseph's Church. But now we're proud to say this is the home of the Leamington Youth Resource Center. And like you've heard, Mesh, and most of you have experienced, we also want to be the hub of Leamington. Many youth who need help don't know where to go, uh, and they will find one service and give up, or don't, they don't even know where that first service is. 
I already mentioned all the local partners in our community. They have all agreed they're going to send them over here, and then we want to be that hub for them. Whether they need one service, that'd be ideal, but a lot of times they're going to need many, and we're going to wait with them, work with them, and find out what we can do to help them get through the next stage. From beginning on, we've always dreamed it would be bigger. Uh, we Again, we applied for many grants, and we have not yet got it, but we're not giving up. We will continue to fight for these grants and or go through our community to get the funding, but we want to get up in 2019. We want phase two to be up. Uh, Crystal will share a little bit more what it's there for, but it definitely will house at least 10. Working with access, which is a key component in our uh, operation in phase one, just one of the agents working in our community with the ages of 24, 14 to 24, she alone could already fill this facility up if we were up today. There would be more than 10 already that are right now couch surfing or struggling in our community, don't know where to go. So if we can get this up, when we get this up, we don't feel it'll be hard to actually let this become a home for them. But with phase two, unfortunately, it will only be for us to work with them, love them, and. Uh, you know, care for them only up to a year. After that, they are gonna to have to find you know, longer term housing and that's why our plan is in 2020, we wanna make sure that we have a facility that will be anywhere from 16 to 24 or whatever else we have identified the final room, which will be low income housing so that those that have already worked with us, signed up with us, that we could actually care for them here. Again, our dream is they would live here for however long they need to, accessing the services that we offer in phase one but eventually get the skills and, uh, and be rooted in our community, whether it's education, work, et cetera, and be able to live on their own and get back in the community and, and just be on their own. So we're excited about that. But with that said, all these things cost money. Phase two will cost us 500 to 600,000. Phase three, which is still undefined, but we believe it will be 1.8 to 2 million. Uh, so again, we are looking for grants, but we also are gonna continue to move forward because we will not stop fighting, as we said earlier, for these young adults. They deserve better. We've been blessed as a community. We can help them become better. As we go further, as I shared with Mesh, we were gonna come out here, we were invited by Mesh to come here. Any of you who've sat down with Mesh, he has a unique little way of asking questions and, and then another question. And then another question. So as you shared a little bit, the heart of the matter of how we got here, I said, wow, great, I can share a lot of things. While the neighborhood, when we first started, they were so upset, they were determined to shut us down. They came in and we talked, and before you knew it, they were on our support, joining our team and everything else. Mesh says, yeah, that's pretty cool. What else you got? He says, oh, what about when we went to town council? We were told that town council was determined to shut us down. They didn't think we were prepared to handle on a big task and this would become a black eye in our community. At the end of our presentation with all the people that were on board, it was unanimous. All of them were in support of us. Ah, Mesh is pretty cool. No, nope. what else you got? All right. Wow, we needed a new roof on our facility. There was 20, uh, 14 competitors. Instead of fighting for work, they volunteered. They came in. In a four-hour shift, they put on a brand new tin roof. Ooh, cool. What else you got, George? All right, you gotta love mesh. So what I wanna talk about today is you know, how it has impacted me. Uh, starting since 2014, obviously I got encouraged, I got invited to be a part of this journey and I was so excited about it, thinking all right, I'm a fixer, I can get this done, we can figure out this problem real quick. I'll throw some money at it, we'll get some people together, put some money at it, surely we'll fix this. That wasn't so quick, that wasn't so good. It still needs committed people, people who are willing to fight for it. It's gonna take time to do that. So just finances was definitely not the journey that we wanted to. Well, the other thing I thought, well, what about time? Yeah, time will be easy. This is something that 
you know, I think most of you remember me saying it. Give us one to two years, we'll have up phase one, two, and three. Piece of cake. We'll get grant money. If not, the money will come from our community. We'll be up and running, man. They need it. We got it. 2014 to 2018, and Adam's better at math than me, but I don't think that was one and a half years. However, you know, as I've been praying about it, and I did, I wrestled with God a few times, uh, including the CRA number. You know, we were joking about it earlier, but it, it is such a, a, a truth. We all long to be in heaven, which is eternity. Eternity has never talked about time. Time is non-existent in there. And if we want to do kingdom work in our community, who are we to put time towards it? So for me, this is probably one of the hardest things to accept. It won't be one and a half, two years. It may not be 2019 and 2020 as we are currently planning. But if we're following him, I believe we will do it in his timing. And that's the only timing that really matters. We want to get there at that level. But the biggest one that I found that, you know, God has been working on me since 2014 is the judgmental side of things. And I could speak here for hours, and Greg, I won't be here for hours. You can relax. But it started even when we did our very first tour up at Southridge, and we went to London and other parts of Toronto, even Windsor. For me, I'm ashamed to admit, but I'm glad God has patience in working with me. But walking into the homeless shelters, it was tough. We went there with a the whole group and we're excited and this is going to be a new venture. We're going to change the world, baby. Oh boy, were we excited. And this group invited us to, to sit down with their guest. And these are the guests of the community who didn't have a home. And so they said, yeah, we're going to have lunch with them. You guys can all go in the room and you know, have lunch. And I says, well, surely two or three guys are going to come with me. And again, we're going to share our love with them, baby. Let's do this. As he would have it, I was the only one at my table. And there were several people in that table that to my judgmental eyes, weren't wearing what they should be wearing, weren't, you know, tattoos, weren't saying or talking the way I would want them to talk. And boy, oh boy, had they made some choices that I sure thought they shouldn't have made. And for a while, I couldn't even talk because I just, I was so bad. I shouldn't have been in there, you know. And, but, you know, being time, God allowed me to hear some of their stories. And, and hearing some of their stories, they're just like us. Uh, one of the ladies shared that two, three months ago, she had been making five to six digits, her and her husband both. Poor choices came in their, in their lives, and within three months, all her friends and family resources were gone, and she was homeless. She goes, I'm no different, I'm just like you guys. We need places like this that will help us cover around. Another gentleman that was very awkward, had only been there a couple of weeks, said, wow, this place has saved two lives. And he says, oh, you're here with someone. He goes, nope, I'm here by myself. The lives that he saved wasn't mine. I, I'll probably be added to that list, but I was so desperate, no food, no shelter. I had a rock in my hand, and I was ready to take someone's life just so I could have their money, right? Like, really, I, should I be careful? <laughs> Maybe I'll just give you money, right? <laughs> but no, that wasn't what was there. But just to hear these stories that uh, when they don't have resources, they will go to any, any means to figure this stuff out. And it continues to go forward. Uh, the judgmental side, I wish it would end there, but God has been patient with me, helping me remove it. In our community, as we meet some of these kids, uh, you know, the first thing is, wow, they're just not listening to parents. That's not the case. As we actually take time to listen to the story, more often than not, it's choices that their support system haven't made that are not good for them. Whether they've gone and chosen to be a, you know, addictions that are taking over their lives or whether they're identifying in the LGBTQ or anything else like that, all these are things that God has slowly allowed me to experience and then remove those blinders and see them as people. God has all made all of us to be his people. We, we sometimes stay away from him. And now that I can, you know, getting better at this, we can receive these people with love. And that's really the thing that we want to talk about. Our community, if you're willing to drive half hour to 45 minutes, you can attend 240 different churches. 
when we decided to start the bridge, one of our primary goals was not to duplicate or you know, make just another service that would be better than someone else. And I think, including Meadowbrook, we have an amazing array of churches. We don't need another church. We just need to pray for our churches and allow them to be who they are. We also didn't want to invent any other agencies. We want to just be able to bridge the gap between them. And so with that comes, you know, we'll talk about a few of the, uh, the series that we have talked about here, the giftings. So often when we start with this, we want to have all the giftings that Christ had and we want to do everything perfect, including myself. I, I want to be able to do all that, but that's not what God intended us to be. God has given the body of believers all the gifts that we need. So instead of looking for and praying for the ones we don't have, he's really made it open and clearer to me is that look for the one you have. Stay close to me, figure out what you got, and then be thankful for the ones that I'm surrounding with you. This isn't your vision. This isn't your plan. God, believe it or not, doesn't even need me, doesn't even need Meadowbrook. He could do this on his own, but man, am I blessed and honored that he says, even with your faults, I want Meadowbrook, I want you, George, I want everybody to be a part of this journey, and it's his journey. Uh, again, getting rid of the time, getting rid of all those other things that we like to worry about. He wants us to do this. The part that we've really learned is the people that we're trying to service, they aren't broken. They don't need to be fixed. These are all things that we would like to be able to do quickly. They are just in a season of life where they need someone to love on them, and God is love. And, you know, you hear more later from Greg and everything about what that love can look like when it is holy love. They need us to bring that love to them. They don't need to be judged. They don't need another agency or another group that will identify them as different. We're all the same. A council woman once told me, we all think we're normal until you get to know us. And so that's all. That, that these young adults in our community don't have the resources are in a season that they just need to be loved. Can we do that without trying to do the easy one, the Sunday school answer? Just send them to Jesus, it'll all be fixed. Throw money at it, it'll be fixed. No, this is much harder. This is going to take time to fall in love with them, treat them as regular people. But we, just like God coming down, loved us so much. He didn't just bring Jesus down and said, there, I've done my part. He loved us too much to leave us there. And that's the love we want to be able to hand out to these young adults in our community. We love them even wherever they are, whatever choices or circumstances, but we can't leave them there. We as a community can and will do better. So some of the giants that we are facing as we get into what the bridge is, uh, whether they're perceived or actual, these are the constant battles that we're fighting with through the board and through the actual organization is there is the giant of the churches. And like I said, there's seven or eight and there's more and more churches coming on and we all have our own traditions and beliefs and, and customs and what we want it to be. And so we have to discern very wisely what we want. Uh, we can't become what all the churches want us to be, although we do feel a calling that we need the churches unitedly working with us. And so we need to be able to stand up as an individual organization to be able to handle that engagement, to encourage that engagement of faith-based so that they can be a part of this journey. But we don't want to be a church, as I said earlier. We want to be able to be that source of love that's meeting the needs for these people. Then when we work with the agencies in our community, the community will say, well, surely you can't have a faith component in it. State and church don't work, and you should know that. This is going to be an impossible journey. We don't believe that either. Uh, we believe there's, of course you can. Uh, it was Helen, my wife, that reminded me as we wrestled through this thing. He goes, George, why is it any different than what you do at work? At work, we're very clear. We build metal enclosures for those of that you know. But we're also very clear that we only build enclosures with the people we have because God blessed us. God gave us those opportunities. God brought those people around us. But on a day-to-day -day basis, we're not worried about the community or the church, but yet we live out our faith at work very comfortably. So why can't we do that here? 
not being a church, but being an organization that wants to meet the needs unjudgmentally and then help them take that next step so they can be, you know, they can see hope. And so that's what our, our vision here is. It's still in a draft state and we are becoming better as we listen to God, as we listen and work together and we take advantage of all the gifts that are brought our way. Our vision is that every youth is valued, respected, supported, and reaches their potential, not our potential. The mission is to transform lives by providing youth with resources and hope for the future in a safe and caring environment. If this can't be a home for them, not a judgmental area, then they aren't gonna come. And so even though we're only open less than a year, we, you know, my side of you know, anxiety is why aren't more coming? This type of relationship's gonna take time. Uh, building their trust, allowing them to come in and not being judged when they feel they have been everywhere they're going currently, that's gonna take time. Again, going back to the earlier statement, kingdom work has no time to it. Are we able to and willing to sit there with them as long as it takes? Are we able to keep the doors open? I would be lying if it doesn't require finances. You know, this whole project's gonna be three and a half million. That's not deterring this team. We'll find ways, God will provide. Even the CRA number, that's part of it, but we had to wait. There are so many things we have to wait for, but God is good all the time. He will get us there. So with that, I would like to invite Krista Rempel, our executive director. So as you can tell, a big vision, big mission, and yet we have someone very gifted. Krista has the gift of leadership, gift of administration and discernment to take this crazy vision and dream and use the staff and the volunteers to get there. So please welcome Krista. get organized here. Okay, well thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about the bridge and um, George is a tough act to follow, but I'll give it a whirl. So I just wanna highlight a bit of our organization. So as George said, we do have a wonderful group of board of directors. There's about eight or nine that come around the table every month really to provide some guidance and clarity and um, help me really move through things as I discover them. We also are supported by a fund development committee, public relations and human resource committee. And George touched on this a bit, but the advisory committee is really there to also come in, let us know what the is going on within their organization, what they're experiencing with the youth, and really we're looking to um, bridge that gap, make sure we're not doing any kind of redundant service, um, otherwise we'll be out of business very quickly. Um, and then following that, the bridge team. So we do have five, um, plus a sixth who is a part-time janitorial staff. One thing that we do wanna make sure um, we actually do is evaluate. So part of that process started with a focus group. And we really knew what was going on within the community. We heard from different organizations, but we need to start putting it down on paper. So a couple of common themes came out of a focus group that took place back in March. And we really need to identify areas of need, and that included food insecurity, housing and homelessness, and mental health. There also is a lack of local resources. So whether these individuals did have to go to Windsor to access the resource, or they just didn't even know what was going on locally, that was something that we needed to bring to the table. Um, and especially around mental health, as we know, there is um, a crisis that's going on in our community, as well as among many others um, around mental health. Transportation is something that is really needed for the rural youth. It's challenging in a rural city or town. Um, for youth to get places. So we wanna make sure that they can easily access the bridge and they can also easily access the resource and services. 
So, and navigating that is something that we're looking at doing as well. Um, part of this is to looking at the diversity of our population, and George said, ensuring the sustainability, and really creating that process for system navigation. So, what is the bridge currently offer? So George touched on this a bit, but we do service youth ages 14 to 24. It did open in January, and we really do look at it um, from, I guess, a Maslow's hierarchy of needs we can start with. And we really wanna make sure that when they come in the door, they have their basic needs met. You can't really function unless you have food in your belly and you have, um, you know, some place to do your laundry, a place to shower and just um, ready yourself for the day. So we do have that available. Um, we have the nightly drop-in programming, so our youth engagement coordinator does participate and um, engage the youth nightly, and we do bring in things like, you know, just board games, simple activities, but we also do want to acknowledge skill development, so we have um, organizations like the CHC bring in Bang for Your Buck, so that's a program that does look at grocery shopping, at budgeting, and also food skills. Part of what's included in the drop-in program is the mentors on the floor. So we know part of success in youth moving forward is a positive role model. So we wanted to make sure that those on the floor um, do have access to that kind of um, individual. The other thing is then looking at the programs and services. So as we already had said, a lot of them didn't know about it or just didn't have the ability to access them. So in looking at a hub model, we wanted to bring the services into our facility. So whether it's life and coping skills or mental health, um, there's a number of things that are going on each day. Phase two and three, I won't take too long on, but phase two, as George said, is a 10-unit transition housing facility. So we're looking at collaborating with a number of partners around the table and coming up with a programming right now. So we're starting that conversation because we want to make sure that when we do get the physical building in place that we have a really great program that is planned and executed well. So one thing I'll say too, we have the outline and you kind of were able to see it a little bit, but each of the rooms are single rooms. Um, everybody does have access to a single washroom, um, which includes a toilet and a shower. So we do want to make sure that, you know, not like dorm style in college and university, um, you have a little more privacy because we do want to make sure this is feeling like a home. We will also have supervision on site, um, whether it's at our youth center um, or at the actual phase two. We want to make sure that the youth are. Um, I guess looked after in a 24-hour uh, care facility. So we're not an institution necessarily, but we want to make sure that everybody remains safe. And phase three is really an independent housing facility. We are working on those details right now, but um, I can't really have too much to share at this point. So what is the Bridge Youth, and, and what is um, the characteristics of them, and how often is our facility being used? So I'll touch on that a little bit. So over the last year, we've been accessed about 2,000 times by almost 300 youth, and we're seeing about an average of nine on a nightly basis. And I will say in the last couple of weeks, um, we have seen an increase, and I believe there was about 20 the other day around the table, so we may have to expand our um, nightly meal table, which is fantastic. Um, nutrition program was accessed almost 150 times by 53 youth, and we've served about 1,000 hot meals. So that's something that we're really proud of. Um, we're meeting those basic needs. We do have the shower facilities, and I will say the laundry facilities weren't used as much as anticipated, but that's okay. We use it in other ways, whether it's for the kitchen or um, the laundry related to the showers. So. 
Now, I can give you the numbers, but I want to provide a little bit of the context around the youth that um, do access our facilities. So I asked the staff, who then did chat with the youth as we kind of prepared for this presentation, and I'll share a couple of things. So we are developing a sense of community and belongingness, so we are achieving that goal. We want to make sure that those that come in feel, feel that sense of community. We, wanna, we also heard that they're feeling like there's a support network now. So George touched on that, you know, a lot of them have come where they don't have anybody really advocating for them or um, I guess guiding them along the way. So that's something that we are able to do and we're doing well. Youth feel valued. I will say that um, one of the staff shared with me that there was an individual who came in the other day and he really came in with with nothing. Um, he did have access to, you know, our basic needs and he was just so surprised that we had at the facility even just basic things like supplies for school. Um, she did share that he did have a sense of unworth. Um, he walked in the doors and he, um, I have a hard time with this part <laughs> as I did this morning. Um, he really, left today and that day feeling more worthy and feeling valued even just with that little that little something that we gave him that day so we were you know she shared that with me and i said do you mind if i share it with the rest of the group and that was something that i really wanted you guys to know just the small things really do make a difference especially when somebody does walk in that door for the first time a few other comments um, really speak to what I already talked about is that I like how everyone is helpful and understanding and knows when to help. Um, we want to make sure that we aren't leading, they're leading, and we're just providing that guidance when they ask. We're not giving out advice um, as we see fit. I'm able to be myself and open with people. We are an inclusive organization. We make sure that everybody that wa walks in the doors um, feels valued and respected, and um, we're not there to judge that have helped me with food and counseling. So that, again, going back to that basic need. And I'll share one other quote that I forgot to this morning um, that was really powerful for me too. Um, one female shared, without the bridge, I'm quite sure that the county and the town would be in a far worse state. So that's something that we wanna make sure we have. We wanna make sure the bridge is around for a long period of time because we do wanna make sure that the youth in our community are, uh, I guess, provided with some guidance and are able to transition into their community, such as Leamington, and be and live full independent lives. How are we moving forward? So one thing, when I came into the organization in July, I wanted to make sure that we had a plan. Um, the board and the staff did a wonderful job in pulling together some um, basic goals and ideas of what they wanted to achieve, but we really wanted to create that roadmap. We wanted to make sure that we knew in five years the exact activities and the exact objectives that we wanted to meet. So we're moving through that process right now with a core group. So we did update that mission, vision, and value, and we're currently going through the data gathering process. So that's something that's really exciting for me because I like data. Um, <laughs> but it really allows you to take a look at the youth, create a youth profile, and make sure that we are meeting the needs that is identified. And then we're setting those goals and activities. So we are moving forward also on the other side of things with the capital campaign, as George had let uh, you guys already know. And um, even without the strategic plan, we do know that there's a lot of areas to improve, but right now a couple of things I wanted to share is that we are looking back to bridge that gap. We are looking at the system navigation piece. So we're looking at developing that personal plan of care 
And so that's really exciting. And we're offering the transportation through the South Essex Community Council. So that's something that we're looking at doing currently. We're just looking at rolling out that program right now. So at this point, I'll turn it over to Greg. Thanks, Krista. I'm not that good at math either. Uh, and I know that uh, we had half an hour to speak, so that's 30 minutes. So that should be 10 minutes for each person. Now, if you know George, and I don't know how many of you know George, he spoke for 20 minutes, Krista spoke for 10, so how many does that leave me? <laughs> so I have, yeah, I should say goodnight and that's it. George is fun to pick on, so I do that. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is on page 1,152 in the Bible in the pews. This chapter is often referred to as the love chapter. If you were here two weeks ago, you remember that Pastor Chris referred to this chapter in the Sermon on Spiritual Gifts. When I heard that, I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? Pastor Chris is very gifted in his preaching. He's very good as far as communicating to us the words that God has laid on his heart. He's very knowledgeable in Scripture with all the schooling that he's had. Um, Chris has all of these excellent traits. Uh, Chris is bald. <laughs> I didn't want to shave my head to see if that would help or not. Uh, but I decided I would grow a beard. But then it came out white, and Chris's beard is black. So what do I do now? And all joking aside, I am not Pastor Chris. I am not Pastor Mesh. I am just Greg, and I'm here to share a little bit about what the bridge is all about, why I decided to... Uh, move on from my career and become part of the bridge and the bridge staff and help youth uh, in our community. I've had a number of people ask me why I would do that. Why would you stop all of uh, you know, your career? And uh, there's a long answer, uh, which we don't have time for this morning, obviously. Uh, but we have a sh I have a short answer. And that short an answer is very familiar to most of you. Uh, and that is found in John chapter 3, verse 16. And that says, For God so loved the world, and I am part of that world. God so loved the world that he gave me his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's love for me is what has motiv motivated me to become part of the bridge, to try and reach out and help youth in our community. As I get older, and I'm not as old as some of you might think. And at the bridge, the youth often refer to me as the old guy. <laughs> and so I will then challenge them to a game or this or that. And then I prove to them I'm really not as old as you may think I am. And uh, so I realize that I am getting a little bit older. Uh, my life is closer to the end than it is to the beginning. And I have learned so much about God's love for me and how I am, have the desire to share his love with others. And again, that is why uh, I am at the bridge. Let's quickly look at verses 1 to 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's a word picture in there that uh, really hit home for me, and that is the fact that of the clanging cymbals. If we were to ask Brent, who was doing the drumming this morning, if we were to ask him to come up here, and he would sit back there and he was to lead worship, and all he could use was the cymbals. There would be no other people singing, there would be no other musical instruments, there would be no notes, no melody. What would our worship look like? Would we be as excited about that worship as we were this morning? I'm thinking probably not. And so that kind of hits home for me as far as what, as far as how love has to motivate us. Love has to be the driving force in what we do. Our, as Christians, our words and actions are not done with, if they're not done in an attitude of love, they are not heard or seen, and people won't get excited about what we're trying to do. If we now look at verses 4 to 7 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's pretty hard to see there, so hopefully you've got your Bibles. Uh, I will also read that section. Love is patient. I'll just stop there. How many of you as parents this morning showed patience and love to your kids as you were trying to get ready for church this morning? Love is kind. Are we always kind? I know I have to confess that uh, if you were to ask my wife Dolores whether I am always kind to her or not, uh, you might be surprised at the answer you get. So don't ask her, please. <laughs> love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. One section in there talks about love is not self-seeking. How about you in our today's society where everything is supposed to be about me, my needs, my wants? Do we fall into that trap? Or do we go get above that and say we want to be motivated by love and we want to reach out and help others as opposed to satisfying our own needs first? You may feel that this list is impossible to follow, and I agree with you, but that does not mean that we should stop trying. The love of Jesus, having the Holy Spirit within our hearts, helps us to achieve things like that are on this list. But if we look at verses 9 to 13, it also gives us another answer as to why, uh, what we can do with this list. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For we now see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So these verses tell us that on this earth, we will never fully understand God's love and his love for us. And how we are supposed to live out that love in our lives. Only in heaven will we fully understand this love. In conclusion, as Christians, our words and actions need to be motivated by love. Love takes on many different meanings and many different actions in our lives, like patience and kindness and selflessness. We will never fully understand God's love until we reach our eternal home in heaven. My last point reflects back on the bridge. I'll put this up on the screen, but I'm not sure, again, whether you can see it or not. But that's a list of our volunteer needs at the bridge. If you want to express your love and help us out at the bridge, we have opportunities in the kitchen. We have opportunities with youth mentors. Also, in regards to fund development and also some front desk help. In closing, my challenge for each one of us today is... As we live out our lives, do your family, do your friends, do those you associate with at work, do all of these people, and for me, those youth that I serve at the bridge, do they see God's love in our actions and in our words? Thanks, Greg, a.k.a. Old Guy. You know, it's, it's so good to hear what's going on at the bridge and appreciate the challenge about love. And it's something we all need to be looking at, myself included for sure, and how we engage and, and, and connect with people as well. And what's great about uh, being challenged about love is this, that uh, there's a real heart at this church for love. Uh, and love for the kingdom and the work that God is doing, including the bridge. And we're excited about that. And one of the things we've done here at the church, and we do every year, we do a Thanksgiving offering. And we take an offering and we collect money for different ministries. And one of the ministries we often have in our offering is the bridge. And Meadowbrook has done an amazing job supporting uh, the bridge financially through prayers, etc. All those things are vital and important. And yet many of you write checks and give cash and provide financially and it's such a blessing and such an honor and so on behalf of the leadership here and in a Meadowbrook church as a whole we want to present a check to the bridge from the thanksgiving offerings we've collected in a, a total of over fifty two thousand dollars And it's exciting, and, I, and I, I apologize too, I failed to mention the amount in the first service, so I apologize to the people that weren't able to hear that full amount, we'll make sure everybody knows the amount we're, we're giving out. But what a win for the kingdom, isn't it? 
that uh, folks have sacrificed so much and we're hearing what's going on. And I, I know there's a number floating out there as well, how much Meadowbrook has contributed towards the bridge as a whole. And But this check is just a generous gift from you guys. And so we're grateful for that. And these guys are going to be around here after service or set up in the corner. You can go visit Krista. You can visit George. And you can go visit the old guy as well and, and connect to talk. And, and we appreciate these guys so much and what they're doing. So we want to pray for them as well and bless them and encourage them. So I'm going to ask these guys to kind of just sit down, stand down here. And if you have just been moved by today, maybe you're a volunteer at the bridge, whether you're in leadership, etc. we want you to come on forward. We're going to lay hands on these guys and pray a blessing over them just to encourage them. Uh, so go on, come on forward, and we'll do that. And we'll wrap up the service with worship. So come on forward, and we're going to wrap up in prayer here. And just to encourage these guys, because we... Uh, have been so fortunate to be able to be a part of something this significant in our community. And Meadowbrook's done a tremendous job in coming alongside. Krista shared in her talk that at one of the events at the bridge, they had to expand their table to include more people because the room was getting crowded and people needed to eat. And that's a good thing, isn't it? When you picture that. As we enter this season and this time of our life, as we look up at where we're at, and it was talked about looking at people with the eyes without judgment and how to expand our table. What can we do in our lives to make that table bigger, to include, include more people around the table, whether it's in our homes and how we connect outside of our homes? Can we expand our table to include more people? Maybe it's somebody you don't know. Maybe it's somebody that God has put on your radar. It could be a neighbor. It could be a co-worker. It could be a family member you've not connected with for a very long time. As we enter the season, as we celebrate what God is doing in and through the bridge ministry and how Meadowbrook's been a huge part of that, let's enter the season with our eyes wide open to make our table bigger, to be inclusive, to include more people so we can show people the love of Christ. And as we enter this week and as you've got some things maybe on your heart that you need prayer for or some support or encouragement, we have people that are available after service that will sit and pray with you. They'll have badges on to identify themselves. We encourage you to come forward to receive prayer. Don't leave here if you need some support and some love. Don't go jump in your car by yourself and struggle all the way home. We encourage you to come forward. And as people are visiting and they're ministering here up front, and if you want to connect with others, please do that in the foyer, down the hallway, so we can create a place of safety here. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for your love. Thank you that we were reminded today that everything we do flows out of the love you have for us. And I pray you allow us to show that love to other people. Jesus, I confess to you that I can't love people on my own, on my own strength, in my own flesh, and I believe none of us can. We can only do it because of your Holy Spirit. And I pray each one of us would have the strength in you to love people and see people, Jesus, the way you see them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, allow us to open up those doors in our homes, in our hearts, to expand that table of influence for your kingdom. Thank you again for the bridge and the work you're doing in and through them. We pray you continue to bless and guide them in all things. And for the week that's ahead for us, Jesus, you see things we don't see. And for those things that come into our life this week that interrupt our lives, that cause us to maybe change our schedule because something has happened, I pray, Jesus, you give us the grace and the mercy to enter that well. Again, thanks for today. Thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Brooke. Have a great Sunday.